Hey, this is Ron, and welcome to Bush Stories. Our guest today comes from the west coast of Canada. You know him as Stumpstalker, and his company Stumpstalker Archery makes the most incredible custom wooden arrows. He's going to be sharing with you guys his story of his sick deer hunt on a small island off the coast of British Columbia, and he's going to share his insights of where he sees traditional archery going in the very near future. You know, without further ado, I'd love to welcome Blaine Prouse to Bush Stories. Bush Stories is brought to you by StandingWolfArchery.com. From bow quivers, finger tabs, string silencers, and more. Each Standing Wolf item is made by hand, using materials that only support other American and Canadian small businesses. So if you're looking for rugged, handmade, traditional archery gear, visit StandingWolfArchery.com today. All right. Hey, I'm Ron, and uh, welcome to Bush Stories. This is episode number one, and it does kick it off right. Uh, we got a great guest with you guys today. We got uh, Blaine from us. Uh, stumpstalkerarchery.ca and uh if you haven't checked out his instagram do it right now i'm gonna leave the link in the uh the youtube description and stumpstalker archery on instagram he makes the best arrows you've ever seen these are works of art and where you hunt where you shoot is uh, it's epic man it's like whatever every trad archer wants to live where you live and shoot where you shoot it's super cool man i love your bio i love yeah. what you're for you know you're just a uh, you know, like a local bit, all about local business, supporting local, supporting the traditional archery community. It's just in a time of big corporation. It's it's the mindset we need. Just keeping it yeah. grassroots, and uh, that's what traditional archery is about, man. It's about uh, just keeping it, you know, as as earthbound as possible. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's just uh, again, let's. Uh, I'd love to hear actually how you got started because I know that you said uh, on your bio on your website you you kind of fairly green into uh, traditional archery. What was your uh, experience like hunting before, or like how did you like, transition into it? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I I didn't really grow up doing a ton of hunting. My uncles more were into it more so than my dad, so they took me out. We did a lot of waterfowl hunting, a bit of deer hunting. I didn't kill a deer till I was thirty or something though. Like, um. Anyway, I hunted in an area that was predominantly shotgun only or archery. Right. And I hunted with a shotgun for a bunch of years and then uh, just decided that I wanted to see the projectile flying through the air instead of just, yeah, just not knowing where it was going. And so I just decided that, uh, okay, maybe I should learn a little bit more about this. And I didn't know where to start. I had a compound for a few years that I never was successful hunting with. And I read traditional bow hunter magazine for a lot of years. And it's like, well, I'll just, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to about this. I lived in a bigger place than I do now. So there was actually a store that kind of sold a bit of archery stuff. Right. But uh, I was really intimidated by the whole thing. So I went on the internet and early days of Clay Hayes before he was Clay Hayes now, but Clay Hayes when he was just starting out. Um. And there was a few other blogs that I read and I just decided to make a bow. So I bought a board bow from, or a board from Windsor plywood, the lumber yard and uh, scratched out a board bow. And that was my first bow. And then I signed up for a workshop with a fellow named uh, Jamie from Raven beak nature works down nice. in Powell river, BC. And I did that workshop. I built a U long bow. And then I, that fall, I was successful and killed a deer with that bow. That's pretty quick considering you just jumped into it. A lot of people have, you know, especially with a, like, like a deer is a tough animal to kill when you just start. I mean, like what the, what was your process? What was your thought process going into it? Were you doing a lot of like tune-up shots? You just spend uh, 
quite a bit of time just target practice. So like, obviously you're a stump stalker, you're shooting out, out there with the, uh, the rotting uh, stumps now, which is great, but there's just been a lot of time beforehand, like uh, really trying to get a tight group or how'd you go about it? Uh, yeah, I just, I just shot lots, felt comfortable with it. Knew that I couldn't make a long shot. It needed to be close, and that's what I was able to get. Um, would you t- wait? Uh, how close was it? Would you take it at? Oh, it was like ten yards. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, that was the first deer, and then that t- created this connection with uh, Wayne, who is now my next door neighbor, who owns True Shaft Archery, and he invited me up to Hidegwai to hunt with him. And, uh, anyway, that's how I got introduced to the idea of building arrows. And, uh, anyway, long did you, story did you actually short. Take the, uh, did you take the deer with a wood arrow? I know you specialize in wood shaft arrows now, but did you just start off with wood? Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah, that cool. it was actually a bamboo arrow. The first deer that I took was with a bamboo arrow. Oh, that's badass. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> it was pretty sweet. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I made it happen so but yeah that's the thing like if you're green to hunting and you're reasonable shooting close distances go hunting just don't take long shots at things Mm -hmm. as too many people think they can shoot like 20 plus yards especially if they're switching from a compound to a trad bow right go take your bow hunting don't expect much and uh don't expect to get a shot at something at 20 yards, but if you can shoot something at five yards. I think that's a lot, what a lot of people misunderstand is how often stuff is going to be way closer than 20, like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, turkey hunting, all kinds of things. I mean, you kind of get the idea you train for a lot of people train for 20, maybe 15 and you got people training for 30, but but I would say a a ton of shots are under are 10 and under. Yeah. That's what I hear. A lot of people talk about 10 and under, 15 and yeah i would definitely say you're right on with that like just and it's like would you say that uh when you're shooting under 10 i mean you got to start to compensate your shot too i i don't know i'm an instinctive shooter so i just i just look at what i want to shoot at and let her go (laughs) cool man yeah so that sparked your your interest in building arrows now you're uh did you like apprentice or you just kind of get shown a couple little basics or like how'd you get into the transition to building wooden arrows um well wayne showed me the ropes when i came up here to hunt with him that that first time he kind of showed me the basics of how to do it and i when i did that workshop to build the u longbow we did a day arrow building as well and that's where the bamboo arrows came from so i had a bit of an idea um but yeah my first bunch were pretty rough like holy i've come a long way since 2015 when i started um but yeah, it was just a lot of practice. And I ended up building for Ravenbeak. I ended up building arrows for him as like a piecework. So he'd nice. supply all the feathers, all the bamboo shafting, and I just fletched for him. Cut self-knocks and fletched. And I fletched hundreds of dozen for him. So that was just this huge learning how to fletch, how to make sure everything was you know set up nicely and so that was a huge part of the learning curve. There was no cresting involved or anything like that, but. Right. Now I would say, you know, for myself, I actually haven't shot a wood arrow, but I'd love to start getting into it. Cause I like the idea of like using just aspects that are from the earth. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, obviously carbon arrows, even like more old school alumina arrows, they obviously have their, 
your place in traditional archery, but like, how would you, how would you describe shooting a, a wooden arrow compared to like a carbon for someone who's like really on the fence of it? Cause obviously it's kind of, this kind of stuff is really becoming a little bit more like more, I don't say mainstream, but there's a lot more interesting going back to his nature as much as possible. So how would you like describe the comparison in terms of how a wood arrow shoots? Uh, well, they're quieter. I'd say they're a bit more forgiving. Mm. You get a lot more spine options as well. Whereas a carbon, you know, your 500, your 600, your 400, it's a lot of, it's a various, like a bigger range in that. So to fine tune that you have to add weight to the front end or cut them shorter or right. with a wood arrow, you buy them in the five pound increments. Um, so it just, it can narrow it down a little bit better. So you can get, mm. you can actually, it may be easier to tune in some ways. So you're just basically just shaving off or sanding off just a slight bit at a time to get that optimized weight then, right? Well, it's more for the spine. So, you know, to get them tuned that way, you just, you know, you, you get, you get, I think you get closer to begin with when you get your spine grouping, like your, your spine group. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. Um, I'd say they're potentially just as durable as a carbon shaft. Um, hard impacts, front end impacts can shear shear the uh, taper off the wood arrow. Right. But I I have shot carbons too, like when I had a compound and stuff, and you insert pushes back into the shaft and it blows up the end of the carbon. Well, it's just the same as breaking the taper off your wood shaft exactly and and unless so if a wood shaft as long as it's not hitting something as it glances off and hits it sideways they barely ever break in the body of the arrow most of the time they just break on the tip and normally it's just the taper breaks off and uh often you can just retaper it and shoot it again uh, I love it. I, I think, ironically, aesthetically, you get the carbon arrows with the uh, the wood laminate prints anyway. So everyone wants wood, but uh, yeah, it's just the irony of it, right? I mean, it's just yeah. so just shoot wood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. man. They're heavier too, and which is good. Like a little, they're not a ton heavier, but they're they're a bit heavier, so they might be slower, but you get better penetration potentially. Have you, uh, aside from deer, have you taken? like the arrows you specifically make now or know like your customers, like what kind of, what's the biggest game that you know that either yourself or customers have taken with, uh, with your arrows? I think I've had a couple of bears and a couple of big, like I know one guy took a really big mule deer with one a couple of years ago. I don't know if anybody's shot an elk with any yet or a moose or anything like that, but yeah, there's been some, you know, like, that one mule deer was probably 250 pounds. Like it was the monster in Saskatchewan. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm dying to go moose hunting this year uh, up here in Northern Ontario. And uh, it might have to be stump stalker wooden arrows. I take it. For sure. Sounds yeah, good. <laughs> man, I, I'm, I'm dying. I, it's it's my, one of my goals, Northern Ontario moose. And I think it'd be badass, man. So that'd yeah. be cool. Sweet. Yep. What would you say? Uh, I think people want to hear everyone's like most memorable hunting story. I mean, for yourself, you're living, like I said, it, it looks like you're on the show alone, your environment in BC, you're off an island off the coast of the mainland. What would you say was the story that stuck out the most in your head? And if you could run it by us, like what was the thing that you thought was like the, in terms of traditional archery, was the thing that you, you'll never forget? 
Well, it was probably that first hunt that I came up here with. We went and hunted on a remote island like this, where I live, Haida Gwaii is an archipelago of, there's like 150 islands. There's right. two big islands, two main islands, and then all these other smaller islands around that. We went down to this small island um, and stayed on a sailboat, and then we'd row ashore to land and hunt, out, you know, just hunt for the day, and then we'd go back to the sailboat. Uh, anyway, the, we were, the Sitka blacktail responds to a fond distress call mm-hmm. really well. Like the does come running into it, and then the, in the rut, the bucks come running into it to look for a doe, and like it's super cool. So that was probably the coolest trip that I had was just the interaction we had with so many deer. There was lots of missed shots and foul ups and everything, but we saw yeah. lots of deer. Um, Wayne ended up shooting a doe, and it it ran and died down a hill. And we went back to find it about, I don't know, an hour later. And as we walked up to the doe, we looked over the hill and there was a buck coming up to it and sniffing this dead doe because she was in heat. Huh. Like he wanted to, to breed it. And it's anyway, I took a couple shots at it and I missed, but it was just so cool to see that. Like the, the deer didn't care the doe. Like he didn't know the doe was dead, I guess. I don't know. He was sniffing right at her and. Yeah, it was pretty wild. That's cool, man. (laughs) Yeah. What would you say, okay, on the opposite side of the spectrum, has there been any, like, total, like, things where, like, oh, shit, I wish I never did that. Like, why would I do, or would you, is there anything that you would, like, never want to do again? Like, you remember, like, a a screw-up that was, like, either, like, so bad or, like, a missed opportunity in a hunt that you're, like, oh, shit. And, like, something you really learn from. There's definitely been a few times where I, either a wish I had my bow instead of a gun or I actually just shot something instead of just looking at it. Right. You know, there's that, uh, uh, do I, do I, do I, and I don't know. Yeah. I'm always quickest to just drop the string on something. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a few times where I've, where I've had opportunities that I didn't take it, but, and yeah, he, I, I've I've lost a deer for sure, um, and it's never a good feeling. But you just you hope that you hit it, and because you didn't find it, that the thing's gonna heal up. Like you just didn't hit any vitals, and you know, you're right. Everyone, you know, no one wants to have like an unethical kill or something they can't recover, and you know, just take it out at the point. But yeah, yeah, man, I hear you. It happens to everybody. If you're going to be hunting, I don't care if you're hunting with a rifle or a bow, you're going to have that happen. So would you say that uh, because you didn't start off bow hunting, would you say that most of your, uh, your hunting skills were transferable? Yeah, because I was hunting with a shotgun with buckshot. So I I was already used to needing to be close. You know, Mm -hmm. I had to be, I hunted a lot on a farm and I knew trails where the deer would come out to the field. So I knew where to intercept them. I hunted that farm for a lot of years. Um, but I just, you had to set up close. So really shooting a shotgun with buckshot is pretty much like shooting a trad bow. You want to be within 20 yards or less. And mm. so for sure, very transferable that way. Yeah. Cause I know, you know, here in Canada, I'm in Canada too. And, you know, I, even in the States, there's a lot of, a lot of politics about gun control and, you know, especially in Canada about, uh, all kinds of crazy new laws coming up the pipeline regarding uh, gun seizure, you know, 
buybacks and stuff like that. So I bet you a lot of people who haven't already started to get into hunting with like rifles or shotguns are starting to consider like, what are my options now? Like, you know, the world's looking pretty messed up. And I know a lot of people probably started archery recently just to kind of be self-sufficient, self, you know, be prepared. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, I was a big factor for me in getting into archery as well was you could see the writing on the wall. Like, I'm not going to get into politics here, but governments tend to take away liberties and firearms are one of those liberties. So to be able to create a a tool, I'll call it a tool out of your own two hands. (laughs) um, That's a pretty liberating feeling to know that if I get the correct piece of wood, I can make a tool that I can use to harvest food. Um, And I, I love making primitive arrows too out of different shoots that I can harvest. So, you know, that too, like just out of nature, you can build yourself a bow and arrow kit and you're, yeah. Nobody can tell you you can't. Love it. That's exactly it, huh? Yeah. What would you say that uh, the most important part of like your business, like what do you feel like uh, is the best aspect of what you're doing right now? And like, how do you feel about uh, your, your mission? Cause you really emphasize like uh, the ecological importance of what you're doing. And maybe you can explain that a bit more for people. Yeah. I just, I don't like throwaway culture. Uh, I feel like the West is just, we have such a throwaway culture We people buy things and then they get marketed to and Oh, bigger, bass, bigger, better, faster. So they, get rid of it, buy something new. And, you know, the manufacturers tweak something a tiny bit. So, oh, you get two more feet per second. So I got to upgrade, got to upgrade. And just, that's not my way of thinking. Mm. So I like traditional archery and the fact that the bows have been the same bows for, well, glass bows essentially been the same for 60 years and self bows have been the same for 10,000 years. Right. And same with arrows, you know, like the primitive arrows been the same forever and wood arrows have been used since it was convenient to make milled wood arrows. Um, so I like that. I like that aside from some adhesives and the finish and I guess the knock, everything just easily goes back to nature. Hmm. And my primitive arrows, I finished with teak oil or tongue oil, sorry. So. They essentially, yeah, and I wrap them with sinew, and I use a modern adhesive on the feathers, but, you know, they're essentially, they just go back to nature. That's what that's what's so appealing about it. It's just the fact that as much stuff as you possibly can get is right from the ground, in a matter yeah. of speaking, right? Yep. Yeah. That's I mean, awesome. I could finish my arrows with bear fat or pork fat or deer fat, too, right, as a waterproofing finish. And right. I... Another thing that I've incorporated into my arrow builds in the last two years is I've been getting feathers from wild fletching from Josh down in uh, the U.S. And he takes feathers that have been sent to him by hunters, grinds them, and turns them into fletchings for people. So oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, well, it's really cool. So it's well, not contributing yeah. to the uh, the feedlot turkey operations, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of thinking about that. That's true. It's really uh, ethically, it sits really well with me because they're wild birds minding their own business. They have one bad day and then somebody gets to eat that bird and 
the feathers are actually used for something versus just left out in the field. Would you say there's an actual, like, I mean, I'm half native. My dad's Italian, my mom's native. And, you know, with what I'm doing, I really am drawn to like the energy of things. I find that stuff from nature has like a spirit, has, has a vibe to it. Yep. Would you say that when you're building this, you can actually like feel the difference? I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but it's like, I think with something that you're doing, you're taking, I think you said you reclaim a lot of the wood, right? It's not just, you're, you're not just chopping down lumber to, for the purpose of me, but you're, you all this stuff has like a feel to it that is so different from like aluminum or carbon. There's like an actual energy. If you really tap into that, I think it kind of like accentuates you like while you're there, it really the energy changes, I think. Yep. Yeah. I, I find I shoot a self bow just so much differently. It's just effortless in a way versus a glass bow and wood arrow and burn me the, um, Primitive arrows, the same thing. They just have this, uh, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it, but just they just feel so cool in your hands. They're so cool to work with, to go out and harvest it. You're not damaging anything, but you're taking a gift from nature and turning it into something really cool. It's like the aura, it's like the aura of all that that's that it came from is still like uh, preserved in it, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. really awesome. That's awesome, man. That's why I, I really... Your work's incredible. I mean, again, if you guys haven't checked it out, those listening and seeing this on YouTube, you got to check it out. Stump Stalker on Instagram. I mean, even your YouTube channel is cool too. What I love about it is just that you're just a dude in the woods. You don't need like background music and crap because it's the nature sounds that you really want to tune into. That's right. Yep. Yeah, I did that on purpose. I thought, I'm going to make these as like an escape for people. They're stuck in the office, stuck in the city. It's like, here. Watch this guy walk around the woods and shoot rotten stumps. Yeah, it's, it's relaxing. It's relaxing. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> you know, with the, I mean, if I were to shoot a stump out here, I mean, the odds of being totally rotted probably aren't that great. I probably would wreck an arrow. But right. you find it because it's more of like a rainforest out there, you find it a far more like rot, or rotted thoroughly through. Is that why you can oh, shoot Oh, yeah. Them? Yeah. Um, like, and we have, because our forests have been all, they were all logged already so there's all these old growth stumps here that have been cut for a hundred to well there's some old growth newer old growth stumps because they still log it here but i look for stumps that are you know like a hundred years old so they're just totally decayed and falling apart and then all their stumps they break down faster so i'll shoot those and yeah, there, there's tons of targets for me out here. Oh, it looks so fun. I would, <laughs> I would love to have that here. I mean, like I said, we got mostly hardwood. We do have some cedar here in Ontario, but if I if I start shooting some logs, I'd smash my arrows big time. Yeah, cedar doesn't rot down. I try to avoid cedar stumps at all costs because <laughs> they don't <laughs> rot spend, down. I'd spend my day with you, a day in life with me for what you do. It'd probably be a cost like 100 bucks a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, That's no, awesome. it just... Everything rots here because it's just wet. Like we're so wet. We get high humidity, but not that stifling summer humidity. It's just it's just wet because it rains so much. And yeah. You find that I mean, I've never been out there for a hunt, so I can't really compare like how that would affect like tracking or anything like that. But like with something like that in a rainforest, uh how does that affect like uh getting on a game trail? Is it still, I mean. Like, again, I'm only going off because I've never been there. I don't know the train well. But how do you assess when you're starting off like a hunt? How do you assess, like, 
where do you map out your best options? How do you get like uh, game roots in that? Is there any things that changes that you would say you could take the exact same knowledge and bring it out here out east or you know wherever you are? Is that the same concept? Is just you're looking for the specific signs of the animal? Scout, well, whatever it is. Yeah, always. I think a big one in the fall is just rubs. Rubs the deer make on the alder trees. That's a huge one. The stick of blacktails don't pattern like a whitetail, though. They just, they don't take one path ever. They're all over the place. Like, right. we have them come out here on our property. It'll be the same deer. And one day, it'll come out of the backyard. The next day, it'll be in the front yard. Like, they never take the same path. So, are you, are you using cameras at all to kind of get a map of, like, at least a behavior or some sort of? No, I don't use any cameras. No. Is there any, uh, any tricks for tracking that you do use? Like, what was your uh, what would your advice for someone like using your approach? How would you describe your your hunting approach to someone who wants to kind of like emulate it? I just you just get out, put your boots to the ground, and just walk around, look for sign, look for tracks. We do a lot of calling, which helps because it'll bring the deer into you. It doesn't work all the time, but when it works, it works really well. Mm. Um, so that's a big one because. Like we have, there's so much land to cover here with big timber on it and lots of regen and like your visibility is not very good in a lot of places. Right, so right, right. We generally find older logging roads that are kind of getting overgrown and we'll walk those and we'll call on them and look for rubs and mm. yeah. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Not really any specific tactic. It's just kind of just get out there and try a bit of everything. Yeah, I think here in Ontario is a bit more reliance on uh, on cameras, you know, it's uh, with white tails, there's you do they do have patterns. A lot of people use bait too obviously, so I think uh yeah. I think, uh, it's probably a good skill to know is to cut the tech and go in like you just suggested, just get in there and learn the learn the animal. Learn the animal yeah. I think is the strategy that most people don't really take the time to to build that skill set. And I'm really still learning out here too. I've been here for almost three years now and yeah, there's a lot to learn. And a lot of my hunting previous to this was on a farm, which is probably more closely related to the kind of farm or hunting that people do in like Southern Ontario, where you're hunting around agriculture. Yeah, that's exactly Hunting field edges and you're hunting trails and where they exit out onto the field and those kinds of things. So, you know, you set up on a trail they like the Columbia blacktails on Vancouver Island. They're similar. They're not always on the same trail, but you get a pretty good idea of where they're at. And it's luck of the draw if they come out where you're set up or not. But yeah, I think that's why I'm uh, really leaning in towards the moose hunt because it's kind of, it sounds basically what you're describing using, you know, relying on calls, uh, yeah. you know, the signs. It's, uh, I think it's a lot more uh, unpredictable. And I think that's yeah. what where you actually start to hone your skills as a hunter more so than an archer where you're learning these behaviors. Sure. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. So it's just, um, yeah, I haven't hunted a ton since I've been up here and I've done very little archery hunting since I've been up here with building our house and building arrows and we're homeschooling and we got two young dogs. So I'm a busy, busy guy. So I'm in the same boat, man. Homeschooling, yeah. dog, family, got yeah. three kids. So it's, <laughs> I'm going gray pretty fast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So uh, anyway, we're working towards getting some of this stuff wrapped up with the property and 
but whatever, it's all good. It's just, we have a nine month hunting season here too. So it's not like this panic of, I have two weeks to hunt. I can hunt almost all year round. So that's awesome. That, in some ways is good. In some ways it kind of takes the pressure off and then you can procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. All of a sudden the season's over. You're like, yeah, yeah. where did that nine months go? I hardly got I out. It's just, you know, just allocating time, right? It's like you said, you know, having a family and a business, it's difficult to really get it. I wish I could get out there even more now. And I got like, it's like a 10 minute drive for me just to go where I would want to go hunting. It's just, yeah, even shooting, just, I don't take as many shots as I did like a year and a half ago. So, you yep. know, it's just, Life finds a way. Yep. And I have room now. Like I have a a bigger yard here and I have lots of room I can shoot, but yeah, it just, it's not happening. So (laughs) it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Being a dad and husband and business owner, you know? Yep. Yep. But here's the thing. Let's, uh, I guess we could wrap it up in a minute, but I'd love to know if you can go back in time and coach yourself when you first started, what would be like the step-by-step approach? Um, hmm. I don't know if I'd changed a lot of what I did. Like, that's a tough question because I, not saying I'm an expert by any means, but I think I learned a lot just by, I posted video of myself shooting back in the day on social media and I had a lot of people critique things I was doing and that really helped. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that one. Would you tell you, maybe not form, but would you like tell yourself, Hey man, like you're, you're, you're close to getting a tighter group. If you just stuck it out, maybe another couple shots or if there's any, it's like a, I mean, with myself, I would say, Hey, you know, I shot a, a lot smaller ammo than I should be doing. I, I mean, I have like a 58 inch bow and I'm a six foot four guy. I'm pretty tall with long reach. But yeah. I like the small bow because when I, the bush I go in, it's pretty tight. So it helps me not get my string caught up. I'm not, you know, climbing a tree stand or whatever I'm doing. It's just, it's a lot easier. So, but I would say you probably want to, you would get a better form if you just didn't have to stack your shot so much and take the pressure off your elbow. Right. I think maybe the advice I would give myself is don't be so intimidated by the archery club and go out and actually meet people and get some mentorship. That's mm-hmm. probably because I know that was the one thing I had the hardest time with. I was super intimidated to go out to the club and meet people and get involved and go out there and actually shoot some 3D and do all that stuff. And I that that would be the one thing I'd tell myself now is don't be such a chicken shit and just go out there and, <laughs> and do it. <laughs> I would agree, man. I think everyone's so supportive. It's it's a really small community for them it's a big community but it's a small like family kind of feel everyone wants to help everyone and they're really apples kind of weed themselves out they you know it's just they don't they don't last the people don't want them around and you know they, they just have their own their own uh, agenda and you know i just find everyone be willing to say hey you know yeah if you want to like you said lend a helping hand with form or whatever it is so yeah oh yeah for sure and yeah, it's funny. I was just, yeah, super intimidated by that whole thing. And I just thought all these people would think I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm doing. And so that's, I'm always super open to helping people with any question. Like they hit me up on Instagram. They want to know how to build an arrow or where to, where to get a bow from or any, like I'm always happy to help because I was there and I didn't have anybody to turn to. 
So now that I have a, a, you know, decent knowledge set and I know a lot of people or, you know, yeah, social medias and YouTubes and all that stuff that I can send people to like, here, check out that guy's stuff. Cause you know, you want to build a self bow, check out Clay Hayes or check out hunt primitive or, you know, you want to build an arrow. I tell you, I'll tell everybody my entire process. I don't care. I don't have any secrets. And it's not like I, any of it is a secret. It's not, I'm not the first guy to build a wood arrow. It's not a big I, deal. I hear you, man. I think uh, with what I'm doing too, is all, you know, it's like a, it's kind of like you're painting your own painting and if someone wants to look at your stuff and do the same thing, well, they can, but they're not doing what you do. Right. I mean, yeah, you're the craftsman. I mean, everyone could try the hardest to recreate your craftsmanship, but what's the point? Just do your own, do your own or just invest in someone else's craft that you really admire and support them too. And yeah. You know, I'm a tradesman. Like I, yeah, I apprenticed in trades years ago. And uh, so that's all part of it too. Like I'm, I want to help anybody who wants to learn because I can share my knowledge and that's how we make this keep going forward is if I hold all the knowledge inside me, then it doesn't go to the next group of people that want to do it. So right. let's, where do you, let's share it. Where do you see uh, archery going with uh, the next generation coming up? You see, you think there's enough uh, people getting into it, like a younger group, kids that are maybe under 20 that are still considering it, or you feel it's kind of like a, we're the last generation standing. I, I think it's going to keep growing. I think the technology people are kind of losing interest in the technology in some ways. I think there's a big resurgence in people wanting to not be online so much and not do everything the quickest, fastest way. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think there's a real, um, a lot of growth in people wanting to do things with their hands and build things themselves. So I could see a real growth in that in the next 10 years of people wanting to learn how to flint nap and build self bows and build arrows primitive style or from milled wood or even build their own carbons, but doing more stuff themselves. That'd be I mean, awesome. I think the economy is potentially not in a great in great shape and it may not be for the next while. So it's a way for people to save money too. And you know, you can buy yourself a very basic bow from a box store like a like the samic sage type of bow they're not crazy expensive and you can shoot that bow for the next 40 years like you might need a new string here and there but like it's a real low barrier to entry on that and then if you buy a couple tools and you can build your own arrows well you know i hear you man you're not spending fifteen hundred dollars on a compound bow that you want to trade in every year because bigger, better, faster. Right. So, I agree. I, the less mechanical parts, the better. Yeah. And if it fails, like what's to fail on a, a recurve, the string, learn how to build a string. You can build a string for like two bucks. They're not expensive. Hmm. So I think string making is a, a lost art on the average archer. They're not hard to make. And you buy a spool of string making like B50 and you can make a hundred strings with that. Hmm. So, you know, if you don't know how to build a string, build a string <laughs> and then build arrows. <laughs> Do stuff for yourself, people. That's it, buddy. Yeah. Well, hey, man, you're the best. I really appreciate uh, everything you've done, you know, the time you took to do this. And uh, uh, where can people find you one more time? 
Yeah, it's stumpstalker.ca or uh, at stumpstalker on Instagram. It's pretty much my two spots. So there's, yeah, I've been on a few other podcasts and oh yeah, I guess stumpstalker on YouTube as well. Cool, yeah. buddy. Well, uh, I haven't again, put anything new up there for a while, but yeah. We're due. Now, as of this viewing, you've got like three or four more new videos on YouTube. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We fast forward to the future. You got a whole bunch of new content. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be some more stuff coming soon. I got to get back out there and do some shooting. <laughs> That's right, buddy. Yeah. Cool, right, Ronald. Man. Thanks for the interview. It was a good time. I appreciate everything, man. Have a great afternoon. You too. Okay, take care. You too.